good morning. My name is Andrea Smith, and it is a joy to be with you on this Sunday of Thanksgiving weekend. Um, I was not here with you last Sunday. Amy Coles delivered a powerful message, and a huge thank you to her so I could have a Sunday off. And uh, it is so good to be with you this morning. And I want to ask you, um, how many of you are not cold this morning, if you will clap? And you're happy about that, right? Like two weeks ago, it was a little like a meat locker in here. So um, the school system is, is working very hard to always accommodate us. And so thank you, Brad, and the school system for taking care of it. Nobody, I guarantee you, will be cold this morning. You will be shedding clothing, if anything, before this is over. But I'd much rather us be hot than cold, right? Okay, good. Uh, good. I'm glad you agree with me. Okay, so there's, how many of you have ever heard the song that they sang just a minute ago, uh, Don't You Forget About Me? Will you clap? So that actually has to do with the message that we're going to be talking about today. We're going to talk about this guy named Saul who became Paul and uh, how he encountered God and he encountered the risen Christ and how that was his stranger thing as we wrap up this message series. But before we talk about that, I want you to remember that song tomorrow and throughout the month of December and throughout all of next year as you shop online. Now, uh, there's a purpose to this. We do these two very big uh, nonprofits. One is a food truck, and one is this thing called a back-to-school bash. Every Sunday morning, Wes leads the way, and we partner with our two sister African-American churches, Faith and St. Paul, and we are feeding now around 200 to 220 people a Sunday morning over at Parkview Elementary. That number is consistent. It's going strong. You guys volunteer every week and make that happen, and you fund it uh, as well. And so thanks to your generosity, I mentioned a few weeks ago that we uh, needed funds for the new year. And after I mentioned that in a message, several of you gave significant donations. And I want to celebrate that we have almost enough to function for another year. So that is a huge win. So yeah. It takes about... Um, $15,000, I think, a year, 15 to 20 to run the food truck every weekend. The other thing that you guys do as a church and lead the way, and it's a community mission, is this thing called the Back to School Bash. And in August, we serve 17, I think, schools, and the kids come to get free school supplies, free tennis shoes, free brand new tennis shoes, uh, clothes, uh, gently used clothes, and it's in this fun festival-like atmosphere. Last year was the biggest bash ever. We served 1,600 students. We served so many that the steering team, the board of directors for that decided that this year we're going to actually make it last longer because there's no way that we can, we can get 1,600 kids and their families through in a reasonable, uh, in the time that we had allotted. So we're going to lengthen it by an hour, an hour and a half. And that takes about forty to $50,000 a year. And so I'm boring you with all these details this morning because tomorrow is Cyber Monday. How many of you went Black Friday shopping? Will you clap? Really? Oh my goodness, I'm shocked. How many of you did not go Black Friday shopping? I have not led you well. Oh my gosh. 
gosh, I think that's like a national holiday for me. I mean, it rakes up there. We've got Christmas, Easter, Thanksgiving, Black Friday in Andrea's world. But um, I see that you guys are not uh, consumerists like your pastor, which is probably a very good thing. But if you do cyber shopping tomorrow or anytime, West and the, the board of directors for these two nonprofits, we have enlisted in two things. One is called Flip Give, and it is a website that you go to, and they partner, and I'm sure they make a profit because they advertise for these various stores. And if you shop at one of the sponsored stores, they give a percentage to the nonprofit of your choice. We have registered Back to School Bash with Flip Give. We've already made $36 by doing nothing, and I promise it's a legit web- website. So um, you maybe got an email about that. It'll be on the West Facebook page. So that's called Flip Give. So please, please use that. It's an easy way for us to raise money for the bash. And uh, it, it is just, it's a safe way for us to not have to do a lot of work and make a difference with our money. And the other thing is we have now registered with Amazon Smile. If you shop at Amazon, that is their way of giving toward nonprofits. So um, if you would check that out, I would appreciate it. And now the commercial for uh, shopping and consumerism is over. And we'll talk about the the message and the point for today. We're ending this message series called Stranger Things. Now, this is the last time I'm going to ask you to clap this morning. Uh, Clap if you have no clue what I'm talking about when I talk about the Netflix show Stranger Things. Will you clap? All right, so here's what it is, and I do, it's a, it's a good program to binge watch on Netflix. It's about this family, and it's about this little boy, and he's playing Dungeons and Dragons with his friends, and then he heads home, and basically he disappears, and he goes into this other dimension. He is uh, taken by this, this creature, and he goes into this other dimension called the Upside Down, and so basically the first season is his mom and his family trying to get him back. His mom realizes that she can communicate with him in this other world and it's through the Christmas lights and they blink and all that kind of stuff. And then the second season continues with this whole uh, theme of the upside down and then people exist in this realm and there's evil and there's good. And it really is, uh, it's a good TV show. Now, what we've been talking about in the context of our time here is that we have strange things that happen in our lives every day. If you are uh, a believer in a force that is bigger than we are, we worship Jesus, uh, the Son of God revealed to us. We believe that Jesus reveals to us the very nature of God. But if you if you don't believe in Jesus, but you do believe in God, or maybe you're still on the fence with any of that, uh, I would encourage you to be open-minded for just a few minutes and let's think about what if there is something that is bigger than we are, a force to, to interact with, and what if there is some truth that goes along with this idea of God and energy and God revealing God's self to us through the person of Jesus? Would it make a difference in our life? What if we experience stranger things like they experience on that TV? 
TV show. We have a whole book of stories. It's called The Bible of People Encountering God in Unique Ways. And some of them seem a little far-fetched and some of them seem very believable. We have Jesus who went and did stranger things with people. He healed the sick. He caused the blind to be able to see. The lame were made to walk again. Amy shared with you last Sunday about how this miracle happened and perhaps the the miracle, the stranger thing happened in the hearts of the people who were listening to Jesus and, and the loaves and the fish, the loaves of bread and the fish went further than anybody imagined that they could. So this morning, I really want us to just think about one thing as we end this series. What if a stranger thing happened in each of our lives and do we anticipate it? Do you think, do you think for a second that a stranger thing, a miracle could happen in your life. Now, when we go to a football game, uh, if you go see the Panthers play or your favorite NFL team play or a college team play, when you walk into that stadium, you walk in with an expectation. There's an expectation of, of something that's going to happen. You expect for the best of the best in their field to come out and play this game. You expect for there to be this energy and this excitement and cheering. People are going to cheer for their team to win. So basically, when when you purchase a ticket to go to a football game and, and you walk into that stadium, you go with some anticipation. In a world where church attendance is dying rapidly and people do not want to be affiliated with a religious institution, I wonder, do we come into these places and to these times on Sunday mornings or worshiping online or through the week, do we encounter God with any anticipation of anything happening like we do if we attend a sporting event. We go to a sporting event expecting something. Do we go to a a spiritual encounter expecting something? Or is it just something that we check off our list? Is it just something that is, is something that's repetitive to us and we do just because we've always done it or somebody makes us do it. So this morning, I want us to ask ourselves, for real, do we anticipate God doing something in our lives? Do we anticipate, do we expect a stranger thing or do we just think, eh, It is what it is. Like, are we going to leave today and then go through the rest of our day and our week and the days leading up to one of the high holy days of Christmas? Are we going to be looking for God to act in our lives? Or is it just going to be something that we get consumed with all the day-to-day busyness of life and, and church and spirituality and our religion is something that we just, we just go through the motions? My challenge to us and myself included is what if we anticipate and what if we look for God to actually do something in our life? What if we look for a stranger thing? That's why we've done this whole message series. I think we have forgotten that miracles, real miracles, God acting in our lives can actually still happen. God did not stop acting and us reacting uh, several thousand years ago. God is still actively at work in this world. I think sometimes we just forget to see.
Have you ever heard the story, it's a, it's a fictional story, about this man who was on, uh, involved in a flood and he ends up on his rooftop and he's praying to God, hey God, will you save me? And so all of a sudden a rowboat comes by the roof, the man's on the roof, the rowboat's out there and this man says, hey jump in, jump in and if you will jump in then I will save you. And the man said, no, no, I am praying to God and I know know that God is going to save me. And so the rowboat goes away. So the man's there, he's praying to God. And then a motorboat comes up and the guy in the motorboat says, Hey, jump in. If you jump in, I will save you. And the guy on the roof says, no, uh, no, thank you. I have been praying to God and I have faith. I have faith that God is going to hear my prayer and God is going to save me. And so the motorboat goes away. And then lastly, a helicopter comes And he sees the man on the roof. He goes over and the man leans out of the the helicopter or woman and screams to him, hey, you know, if you will jump in, we are going to throw in a rope and we are going to save you. And the man goes, no, 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 I've been praying to God and I know, I know that God is going to save me from this flood. I'm not going to drown. I have faith. And so the helicopter pilot reluctantly goes away. And so the floodwaters continue to rise. The man ends up drowning in the flood. And the story goes that he gets to heaven and he finally has a chance to talk to God about, you know, how his life went, how his life ended. And he's like, okay, God, so what's the deal? You know, I had faith that you were going to save me. I prayed to you and I had faith that you were going to save me. And God said, I sent a rowboat, I sent a motorboat, and I sent a helicopter. What else do you expect? So the moral of that story is that God does show up, but sometimes we aren't astute enough and in tune enough to notice that maybe, maybe the rowboat and the motorboat and the helicopter, maybe it Maybe that is God. So there's this guy in scripture that I want us to hear what happened to him. He was this man named Saul, and he was a Jewish person through and through. He studied under some of the most uh, renowned Jewish scholars when he was 12 and 13. His parents sent him to Jerusalem and he studied under one of the most renowned Jewish scholars. And also there's something really cool about this guy. Not only was he uh, Jewish, he was a Roman citizen. There was this city back then named Tarsus and the Roman government controlled this city and they had this rule that I think all of us would like if the rule came to our city. Hey, if you go live in Tarsus, you do not have to pay any taxes. Wouldn't you like to live in a place where we didn't have to pay any taxes? So if you were to go to Tarsus and live there, you never had to pay any taxes. So uh, scholars say, and history says that Paul's parents, Saul, Paul, he's the same guy. We'll get to that in a minute. But Saul's parents, they move to Tarsus and they live there and they end up having children while they live there. And the Roman government said, if you buy land and you live in Tarsus, 
Jesus, then any of the children that you have, they will also be Roman citizens. And that was a big deal by them because the Roman government was rising in power and it was very rare for Jewish people to be citizens of the Roman government. So this man, Saul slash Paul, he actually has the best of both worlds. He's a Jewish uh, renowned scholar and then he also has this thing called uh, Roman citizenship. And so all these things come to play later in his life. But here's this guy and he is such an avid uh, follower of the Jewish tradition and customs. So when this guy named Jesus comes on the scene and he starts doing these stranger things like healing people and all these throngs of people are following him and then, you know, they end up putting him into death and he ends up alive for some way that they can't explain. And people, his followers are encountering this risen, this risen Jesus and word spreads about this resurrection. Resurrected Messiah, this guy named Saul, he his radar is all over the place, and he's like, "Wait a minute, this is wrong. You guys are wrong. You are breaking our religious vows." And so, what does he start to do? He starts persecuting and killing all the people that were not following the Jewish custom and Jewish tradition, and all the people that were followers of the way. That's where early Christ followers were called. They weren't called Christians. Uh, Jesus didn't come to say he was going to start a new religion. He said, I am the way. So all the people who followed him were called followers of the way. And this guy named Saul, he ends up persecuting them. So I want you to hear what happens as recorded in the book of Acts. Meanwhile, Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. He asked him for letters to the synagogues, those were their places of worship, at Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, people that were following Jesus, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Why do you persecute those that follow me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And a reply came, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. But get up, enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. Now the men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they also heard the voice that had spoken to Saul, but they did not see anyone around him. Saul got up from the ground, and here's the important part. Though his eyes were open, he could not see. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days, he was without sight, and he neither ate or drank. Now, if you continue reading the story in Acts chapter 9, you will see that after Saul has this this experience, this experience, this stranger thing with this voice. He is led into Damascus. He stays there for three days. And this guy named Ananias comes to him and he's petrified. He doesn't want to go to this man and and tell him about Jesus because he knows that this Saul guy puts people that follow Jesus to death. But God also spoke to Ananias. Jesus revealed Jesus' self to Ananias. And so he went to Saul. And so Saul 
ends up having this change, this transformation, this conversion. And he ends up becoming one of the most renowned New Testament writers. Over one third of what we call our New Testament gospels are attributed to who initially ended up like killing Christians. One third of the things that we know about Jesus and and the principles that followers of Jesus and followers of the way, you know, hinge our life on, one third of those things come from a guy who ended up putting people to death. Because he has this stranger thing happen to him and he encounters something, something different, something bigger than him. And it, it does something different inside of him. Now, if that happened a couple of thousand years plus ago, does that still happen today? I think it does. So what kind of stranger thing is going to happen in our lives. Are we waiting for it? Do we believe that it can? I want you to take a look at this clip from the show, the Netflix show, Stranger Things. And it is where, uh, this is a spoiler alert, it's season two. And so Elle or Eleven, who is the girl that the little boy who gets captured, he encounters and she ends up being the one that like saves the day and protects him. Uh, at the end of season one, she, she goes away and they don't, they don't spend any time with her. And so you're going to see her show up in a scene today. But I, I want you to watch what happens when he's in the gym and he's uh, experiencing some conversation with somebody different because that's the point. So take a look at this clip. So you should go home. Why do you hate me so much? I don't hate you. How can I hate you? I don't even know you. Yeah, but you don't want me in your party? Correct. Why not? Because you're annoying. Also, we don't need another party member. I'm our paladin, Will's our cleric, Dustin's our bard, Lucas is our ranger, and Elle's our mage. Elle? Who's Elle? Someone. No one. Someone or no one? She was in our party a long time ago. She moved away, okay? She was a mage? What could you do, like magic tricks or something? Well, I could be your Zoomer. That's not even a real thing. It could be. See? Zoomer. Mind-blowing. Oh, come on, you know you're on the list. I don't see any tricks. You're just going around in a circle. If it's so easy, you may try it. No. Why not? I don't know how. So then you admit it's kind of I think if I spent, like, all day practicing, Simple question. 
Jesus! You all right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. What happened? I don't know. It was just like a magnet or something pulling on my board. I know that sounds crazy. uses her powers to knock uh, Mackenzie, I think is her name, off the board. And he knows that that's something that's typical uh, uh, that Elle could do. So he starts to suspect that Elle exists. Now, he has no way of knowing that she still exists. It's, this is the first time that he begins thinking this. But there's something inside him that says, hey, you know, she she." might be here. So that's what I want us to apply to our faith this morning. Do we ever think, okay, God might be talking to me. God might be revealing God's self to me. And then he goes and he looks for, what if we go and what if we look? Now, I'll just warn you, if you start looking for stranger things to happen in your life and you start saying things like, well, God revealed that to me or God told me or God showed me, uh, even if it's not this big voice from heaven like Saul experienced because, you know, uh, truth, I have never heard this big voice come out of the sky and say, Andrea, I want you to go do this. But I do have these, these inklings and these thoughts that go on in my head, and, and I do attribute them to the Holy Spirit, to the voice of God revealed to us through the Holy Spirit. And, and I do think, well, maybe God is, is speaking to me in that way. What if we do that? But, but warning, if you start saying to people, you know what? I think God is leading me. Be aware that people might think you're crazy. So one of the things that I would encourage us to do if we're going to start looking for stranger things is to look for them amongst a a fellowship and amongst a community of of like-minded people. That's what you have here in this body of West, whether you're here or you're online. That's why we encourage things like coming to worship or a small group or serving on a ministry team. You are serving with other people that are like you. You're around people that are like you. So when you start talking about things that are happening in your life, you'll find that they won't think you're crazy. They'll think, oh, well, yeah, maybe God is speaking to you and and maybe God could speak to me like that too. Years ago, West was, I mean, we were probably three, four years old and uh, we, it was just, it was a little crazy. We were trying to find staff. We were understaffed at the time and we had just finished the Christmas season And I think it was probably the Christmas season where I resurrected Jesus on Christmas Eve at the Christmas Eve service. I said, and we are so happy that you are here to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord on today, which was clearly the wrong thing to say on Christmas Eve. But my point is I was emotionally exhausted, physically exhausted, mentally exhausted. I was in school uh, trying to do the mom and wife thing. And then I had to go to DC. And then right after that, I had this opportunity to go to 
to the Holy Land. And I went with uh, 25 to 30 other clergy, and it was, it was a really life-changing experience. In fact, West is going to look at going to the Holy Land, and we're going to start talking about it in January of next year, and we're going to look at going a year from now. It, it's a game changer, because you get to go and you get to see the places and be in the places where Jesus and, and Saul and the disciples and the people were. Uh, but that was just this time of absolute renewal for me. And it was one of those, those places where I experienced a stranger thing. Um, after I came back on the Sunday after that, I was telling the church about it in one of the messages. And I won't bore you with the story because it's long and you want to get out of here in time for lunch. But uh, the point is that once I got off the bus... A, a way that God spoke to me, that revealed God's self to me, it happened as soon as I got off the bus there in Joppa. And Joppa is the place where there's a church, and the church is where Peter, who is one of the, the disciples of Jesus, he was there with Jesus uh, up to the crucifixion, and he's the one who denied him and cut off a soldier's ear. So he's a pretty key figure. And then after the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus told him, go and, and you know, love, love people, feed my sheep, love people, Peter. And so Peter did what he experienced. He did his own stranger thing that he had experienced from the resurrected Jesus. And he went to this city called Joppa and he was there in the synagogue and he was teaching and he had a dream. And the dream that Peter had is actually one of the founding principles of West United Methodist Church. It's in this dream that Peter has, that God reveals to Peter that, hey, all these animals, there were all these animals and rules around what you could eat and what you couldn't eat, and you can eat this but not eat this, and you can do this on this day and not this day, and all those 600 plus Jewish laws. In this dream, Peter had, God revealed to Peter, Hey, look, that, that's not important. You're getting all wrapped up in logistics and laws. And, and I want you to know that all animals, all animals are clean. So you don't have to follow these traditions where you do eat this and you don't eat this. All animals are clean. Signifying to Peter that all means all, that all people, not just uh, the Jewish people, but the Samaritan people, the scorned people, uh, the Gentile people, they're all a part of this, this family, this kingdom that Jesus Christ has been talking about. They're all a part of that. And that is a founding principle of West, that here at West, everybody, everybody is welcome. Typically, we have a rubber chicken up on the stage signifying that all means all, even bizarre rubber chickens. So that's one of the founding principles of who we are. It's a, also a social justice issue. And uh, we caught a little flack from that. And actually, this trip to the Holy Land was right in the middle of that. And people liked to always take me to lunch and say, hey, you know, Andre, I want to take you to lunch. And then at the end of the lunch, they'd say, uh, I'm leaving the church and I'm taking my money with me. I'm leaving the church because uh, you don't believe the things that I believe. And so then my stomach would hurt. So if you ever ask me to go to lunch, I ask you why. I like have some insecurity around that and that is truth. But um, so in this, this moment, 
in Joppa where Peter has this dream that I am realizing in the moment, oh my gosh, that's the the founding principle of this church that I've had the opportunity to found. Uh, this, This signal from God showed up in that moment. And so then I came back and, and I was telling the church, oh my gosh, let me tell you what happened. And, and this happened. And then a few days later, this happened. And it was the same thing again. And it kept happening the whole time I was in the Holy Land. So much so that the bishop who was leading our trip looked at me and said, I just want to let you know. And it's a cat. Cats show up. And I'm not crazy, I promise. But the bishop said to me, I've never seen so many cats in the Holy Land. What is the deal? And I said, well, you're going to think I'm nuts, but I think God nudges me with that because that's the first time that I ever remember being called to be a pastor. I used to preach to my cats. I would gather them all around me and feed them immensely so they would listen. It's why we have nice fellowship time after, so you'll come for the food. But we would, I would preach and my soul would come alive and I was going through this just dark time in my life and every time we would be at some pivotal spiritual place a cat would show up and I came back here and and I told the story with a lot more detail and talked about the board of ordained ministry interviews and I had to go before that and it was it was just a, a culmination of things and the next morning I got this email and it said you know, Andrea, uh, I just want to let you know that yesterday I was embarrassed that you were my pastor. And, you know, that's always what you want on Monday morning if you're a preacher is an email to say that you are an embarrassment. And they said, I really hope we had no first-time guest because if they were there, they'll never, ever come back. Now, you know, Sometimes, lots of times, when I finish up here, I leave and I remember all the things that I didn't say and I offer a little prayer of, please forgive me because I really screwed that up. But you know, that day, I mean, I don't know if it's because I'd just gotten back from the Holy Land or what, but there was this energy and this this excitement in here and people sang and it, it just felt good. So I did not go home thinking I was a giant screw up that day. But I did the next morning. All because I'd shared where I thought God showed up in my life. Now, I say that to you to say, you know, not everybody gets that there are stranger things that happen in our lives. And I think sometimes because we, you know, go toward that way of thinking, we miss what God is trying to do and the miracles that God is trying to do in our lives every day. Maybe God is trying to heal a wound that we have carried for so many years because we've lost a loved one. Maybe God's trying to heal that. Maybe God is trying to miraculously take away some anger and pain that we've been carrying because somebody left us or deserted us. Or maybe God is miraculously trying to heal some fear and take away some fear that we have because we we don't know how to navigate this thing called life. God is alive and at work in each one of our lives. If God can use a murderer who was murdering people that followed Jesus, 
his son, the Messiah, if God can use him and all of him, the fact that he was a Roman citizen, he was a Jewish scholar, I mean, that enabled Saul, who became Paul, to have a reach to touch thousands and thousands of people that he would have never been able to touch before. If God can use that, and if God will show up in a stranger way in that life, I promise, I promise God shows up in our lives today. And God will do and does do stranger things in us if we just watch for it to happen. Adam Hamilton is the pastor of Church of the Resurrection. It is the largest United Methodist church in the world. They have uh, in excess of like 25,000, 30,000 people. It's in Kansas City. Uh, we've had the opportunity to go and visit there. They actually, uh, he and his campus pastor eight years ago met with me before we launched West to answer questions and talk to us about how to do this. It's, it's a really powerful uh, ministry experience there. But if you listen to Adam Hamilton tell his story, he tells you that he grew up an atheist. He didn't believe in God at all. And in high school, one Saturday, he was at home. This guy comes knocking on his door and he says, hey, will you, will you go with me to church tomorrow? And Adam said he didn't have anything better to do. So he figured, okay, I'll, I'll go with this man to church. And he did, and, and instead of hearing that, you know, if you didn't do A, B, C, and D, you were going to burn in hell, he heard about this God of love and this God of grace, and he heard about Jesus. And he thought, well, you know, I've never really heard about this guy named Jesus. So he went home and he got out a Bible and he started reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels in the New Testament. And if you're ever like starting to explore faith, that is a great place to begin. Not in Genesis, but in the New Testament, in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the more he read about that guy named Jesus, the more he fell in love. And so then he went back to church and, and he professed his faith in Jesus Christ. And he decided he wanted to live a life that was connected to him. And then a few weeks after that, he was at home and he, was, he had just had a really bad week. His stepdad was an alcoholic and so that created a very negative situation at home. And he was sitting in his room and just it felt like the world was caving in on top of him. And he tells the story. He said, you know, I was sitting there and the more I reflected on my life, the more sad and miserable I became. And I finally said, you know, I'm not sure my life is worth living. And I'm not sure there's any point in me going on. And then I, I heard this voice say to me, you matter. You matter. And you are my child. And you are loved. And I'm with you. And you're not ever alone. And he said he just felt this experience, this warmth, this love, this peace wash over him. And from that day on, he always knew that no matter how bad things were, that he was never alone. 
So that was Adam Hamilton's stranger thing. Now, Adam Hamilton, who grew up the son of an alcoholic, who, could have, who was four times more likely to give in to the pressures of alcohol, uh, he ends up being one of the most renowned pastors in the world today. Saul, a killer, goes on to be the one who is attributed over a third of the New Testament. God uses each of us and God works in each of us in miraculous ways. Today, when you go home and tomorrow and this week and the rest of this year, will you look for stranger things? Because God is there waiting to do them with each of us. If we'll just see, let us pray. Gracious God, as we go about our lives, may you show us you. May you reveal yourself. May we have a Damascus Road experience. May we look with fresh eyes and see that you are there calling to us and working in us. You are a mighty God, and we are so grateful for the ways that you call us to be in relationship with you. God, show us miracles. Show us stranger things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So receive this benediction. God is a chain breaker. And God, through Jesus Christ, can do stranger things in each of our lives. May we go and may we have fresh eyes to see. May we remember to look. And may we experience the stranger things and the miracles that God wants for each of us today. Go in peace.